Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses musical memories to build biographical bridges between our guests and you. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Dearnui. Dr. Dearnui was born and raised in a village called Mother Kwa Annie, located in Nyeri County of central Kenya. For the first eight years of his life, Kenya was under colonial rule, and during that time, the local people, including his parents, were fighting for their freedom. He says his family was very poor, but in spite of the apparent poverty, there was so much love and laughter in the house, the word poor was unheard of. Peter received most of his education, up to a master's degree in education, while in Kenya. After graduating in 1979, he taught in various schools in Kenya before being invited to Atlanta International School as an expatriate teacher in 1997. He then moved to Fort Myers in 2002 and took a job as the first black teacher at Canterbury School. While there, he also got his doctoral degree in education leadership. These days, he's an assistant professor in FGCU's College of Education, where he teaches child and youth studies, intro to development diversity, and colloquium classes. Peter says he's always been very active in the community, working with the Lee chapter of the NAACP's Afro-Academic Cultural, Technological, and Scientific Olympics program. He's president of the African Network of Southwest Florida and a member of the Lee County Equity and Diversity Advisory Committee. He's also chair of the new Fort Myers Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Committee. Peter lives in Fort Myers with his wife Priscilla, who's a nurse practitioner, and his entire family. I met Peter, or Dr. Dear Nui, through my real job producing and hosting Gulf Coast Live on WGCU, and it didn't take long for me to know without a doubt he needed to be in the Three Song Stories chair. So now that we're here, here we go. Hey there, Peter. Hey, Mike. How are you? Is Peter okay? Yes, that's, that's good. And I hope Mike is okay, too. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm not near a doctor. so. Okay, um, okay, so I want to start with your childhood in Kenya because right. there was a lot more in your bio, some more details that right. I just couldn't fit in there because it can only be so long. Right. So you talked about having, like, you didn't have your first pair of shoes until you were in high school and right. you had to walk. I mean, just flesh out what life was like for you when you were a kid in Kenya. Right. Just like uh, you, you got most of it, but uh, just like you said, Mike, uh, when a country, any country, going through a war period, life can be very, very difficult. It, I was born at a time when uh, Kenya was fighting for its independence, and my parents and everybody else were involved one or the other. It, uh, we had very little, very little, so to say. We were really struggling, and uh, my siblings and I, the six of us and three others, we were all in the same little house, living in the same house, but there was so much laughter, so much happiness. Mm-hmm. It, uh, we were doing quite well in school when school started, and so we were competing and feeling good and talking. There was no homework because there were no lights in the house. Ah, I see. So all the homework was our conversation. This is what we did in school today. This is what the teacher said. This is what you'd have done. And then we'd probably love at each other. You, How could you fail that sum? It's so easy. Huh. How could you forget those history facts? It's so easy. And that's how we learned from each other and we built each other very well. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a very... Lovely time, and uh, we had food. That's the best thing. Right. There was no shortage of food. There was no shortage of shelter, although it was the little hut where we lived in. And uh, we had so much laughter, so mm. much love, so much happiness. As you said, yes, when I look back, we were very poor. 
But really, the word poor never, ever entered my mind. We had mm-hmm. everything we needed. We didn't have shoes. We didn't have clothes, a lot of clothes. Uh, we didn't have much. We had to walk to school for seven miles, one way, and then seven miles back. And Mama said, I never miss school one day. One day she wanted to keep me at home because I was not feeling well. But, you know, school was fun. Huh. Was, because if you stay home, you look after goats. And it's better to be with the girls and boys in school than, uh, you Looking know, being at, at home. That's right. Uh, yeah. What about music then? I mean, was there music being played around you at home or the at be- school? The beautiful thing was there was a real radio. That was the source of all the information that we had. There was a radio in school, which we only listened during uh, some special times, but at home, of course, we could play the music. And there was a gramophone, you know, where we could play some music mm-hmm. if we got one. And that's when we started getting these Motown records. Okay. And it was just so beautiful. Yeah. Somehow they had a way of getting the power and it worked well. Yeah. Uh, what what would be the kind of music that was coming through the radio at that point? Most of the music at the time was, of course, local music, Kikuyu music, Swahili music, beautiful songs, which I cannot tell you now, like Malaika and all that. But we also had a lot of country music. Okay. A lot of American music, a lot of American singers, and some British singers too. We had some very good music, the Beatles and Dolly Pattons and, you know, Millie Jackson. There was a lot of good music. Hmm. Yes. Is, is there an early musical memory you can recall if you try to go back? as far as you can. Yes. Uh, I could talk about, let's say, Dolly Parton, which we'll probably get into very soon. Yes. But uh, there were also people like Charlie Plyde from Nashville. Mm -hmm. That was a wonderful one. And then later on, we got Kenny Rogers, we got Don Williams, we got beautiful music. It was very instructional. When I listen to my children now, the boom, 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 oh, so much noise. This was words that were meaningful to us. The, every song had a message, and it felt so good that you can connect with what the singer is saying. The storytelling. It was, it was, so, it was storytelling, actually. Yeah. Yes. Was there any resistance in the local communities to this Western music, or was it universally embraced? It was very interesting, Mike. Well, as... There was a lot of opposition on many other things Western. Nobody ever complained about music. Hmm. Music was a very strong unifying force. Nobody ever said that you cannot play Dolly Parton or Billy Jackson or Ken Elogias or Charlie Pride or anybody. No. They loved it. And your parents were cool with it? They were very cool with it. Yes, (laughs) yes. They were cool with it. Yes. That's Hmm. good. Yes. Uh, Do you remember the first music that you owned? The first music that I really owned, like if you mean like a disc or something, yeah, like something that, that was that was the, yours, the, the, something personal, yes, was actually um, the most. The one I remember most was Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride. We had so many songs about him, and I look for it was just so beautiful. I felt so good to connect uh, with Charlie Pride in many ways. It was beautiful. Yes. Was it a LP then? Yes, it was an LP. We huh. had an LP. About how old would you have been? Do you remember when uh, that would have been? We started Charlie Pride, listening to Charlie Pride aloud when I was like uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 there. And I still love the songs now, you know? Hmm. So good, yes. Um, when you got to high school, did they have like high school dances like they have oh, here? Yes, yes, we did. Of course, we all looked at high school dances. I'll tell you what, every weekend in the boarding school, because the boarding school was very special, we had to invite a, a girl's school or be invited to go to a girl's school. Oh, yeah? Because it was only a boy's school. I see. And so we'd go to these schools and every weekend. But the thing was that you had to be in a club. Every club 
had its own weekend to travel outside or to invite people in. Uh-huh. So let's say you had been Christian Union. Okay. After you had discussions with Christian Union, uh, you still had a dance at the end. Or you were in Catholic action. Uh, then you still have the same. So for me, you ask me, uh, I was a member of the Secretary of the Christian Union, and I was also in the Catholic Action. So you, you got two dances. You got two dances, <laughs> that's right. That was fun. And then you had young farmers, Boy Scouts, and uh, let's say debating club, drama club, all of them. I was in all of them. I was so It was so much fun. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Boy Scouts because yeah. I just heard a story on the air the other day about right. the International Boy Scout Jamboree right. was being held in the United States for the first time since the 60s. And I yeah. didn't realize that it was an international thing until I heard that story. And now I, obviously it is, and you're talking about it now. And let me tell you, you didn't know this one, Mike. The founder of Boy Scouts is Lord Baden-Powell. I learned that during the NPR Lord story the Baden other day. Lord Baden-Powell and Lady Baden-Powell are buried in Nyeri, in my little town in really? Nyeri. That's where they are. That's where the Jaburi has been for a long, long time. Wow. The Boy Scouts and Girl Guides Jaburi brought a lot of people to our little town. Wow. That's where they're buried. What a coincidence it's, yes, that is. Yes, it's a beautiful place. A little town, Nyeri. Huh. Yeah. Nyeri, I got it right then. Um, yes, I did. semi-guessing on that one. Um, um, <laughs> what about music being played on instruments around you? Is that happening? Yes, just that uh, LP that we could get. But I mean like, you know, guitars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, good, good. The guitar was the main thing. Yeah. Was, I don't think we had. We had drums too. We had drums too. There was a lot. And drums produce very good music if you listen carefully. If you mm-hmm. get, we had drums and we had the guitar. And we had another one, we, the mouthpiece, we would play like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Beautiful one. But the guitar, was, we had very good guitarists there. Oh, my God. What about awesome. you? Did you ever play anything? I wasn't that good. I, I tried. But, you know, the thing about me was when I tried to play some of those things and I'm not that good, I gave up very fast. But I listened. Right. And, and I tried to sing, but... It was so good. Yeah, if you give up very fast, you're not yeah. going to learn to play the That's guitar. right, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk some Dolly Parton. Yes. So your first song is Dolly Parton. Why yes. Why is that? What's going oh, on? I am telling you, Dolly Parton, wherever she is now, I hope she hears this because she was very special. Let's go back to what we said about the village. Sure. Let me tell you. In the village, we didn't have a lot of clothing. Clothing was very, very expensive. And uh, you get these shorts. I got the first long trousers when I was going to high school. We had these shorts, and you stay with it. One shirt, one pair of shorts. You get one pair, one shirt, and the school uniform. And you get, uh, let's say, one coat, because sometimes you get coat too. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have. And sometimes, I don't know where we got um, these clothes were donated. Like I had a big coat called... Uh, we, they called it Drahamu, but it's Dalam. It's like North Carolina. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, That's yeah. what it was. And it's a big coat for the small boy. And I used to enjoy it a lot. And, of course, as time went on, when I got it, it was fairly new. Well, not absolutely new, but it was fairly new. But as it went on, it got torn. So Mama would put patches, as she did in my shorts, in my shirts, mm-hmm. in everything else. And so sometimes we'd have a green patch there. We'd get a red patch there. You know, she put all kinds of lags there. Yeah, yeah. And when you go to school, because there were some kids who were a little bit better love, the kids would laugh at me because my coat was kid, uh, was called Durham. They would call me now, today he is the green Durham. Oh, today boy is the red Durham. Oh, today he's more blue or like this. And then Dolly Parton brought out this song, ah. The Coat of Many Colors. I'll never forget. 
I used to be ashamed, embarrassed by my, you know, too many pashes and kids yeah. laughing at me. And, you know, kids, I didn't think they meant too much harm, but it was embarrassing. Yeah. But now Dori uh, Patton sang this song. She was telling your story. She was telling my real story. And in fact, she talked about, in that story, she talked about her coat. It was exactly like my story. And although, you know, mine also included the shorts and the shirt, yeah. but I had this coat. And Mama, anytime she knew I was getting depressed, she would say, Peter, wear your coat. Because it was cold sometimes, wear your coat. And then she'd put out something like, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll bring you some uh, luck in your test or something. Make sure you have your coat on. So it was like a special coat, and I wore it every time. And I was pretty good in school, I must admit that. I'm not bragging about that. But in some way, because I always did my test wearing this coat, it was like the coat got me. It's like your lucky coat. My lucky coat. And, but that's why I would put my pencils, my everything, even sometimes hide my lunch in that coat. So it was a special coat for me, you know. <laughs> and then Dolly Patton sing this song. I am telling you. Oh, my God. I can't tell you. Well, you shall know. we listen to it? Let's listen to it. You Literally. All right. Uh, and I've never heard this before. Code of Many me. Colors by Dolly Parton from her 1971 album of the same name. That must have just felt like she was reaching right out to you. Exactly. I couldn't believe it. Mike, I'm telling you, it was personal. I felt like Dory sang for me. And I knew all the words of that song. I may have forgotten some parts of it now, Uh but by that time I'll be walking around singing about my coat of many colors, wearing it proudly. Remember I told you, before that, it was like a source of shame because there are too many patches, green, red, blue, and the kids would laugh at me. But now, I was just so proud. Yeah. And if anybody laughed, I would just sing my coat of many colors. It was just so beautiful. And Dolly came to our school. Oh, really? Yes. I should tell you that. Yes, yes. So one time, I don't know how, it was in the village, it was in Nyeri, not in Nairobi, not the big cities, but she came to our boarding school. And when I knew that Dolly was coming, I had my coat and I had to wear it. (laughs) And then when we went to the hall where she was singing for us, she looked aloud. The kids didn't have, you know, we had the school uniform, but the teacher allowed me to wear my coat of many colors. Huh. And um, I I sat somewhere, uh, not light in front. Everyone wanted to sit in front, but I couldn't get in front. But then Dolly noticed me. Hmm. And uh, she knew. She knew why I wore that coat. And she said, what song would you guys like me to sing for you? You? She pointed at me. I said, Dolly, the coat of many colors. Okay, come here right in front. Come next to me. And I sat there in front. I was the envy of every kid in that Uh, hall, over 500 people. That's magic. Then she sang. I cried. I felt so good. And now thereafter, because Dolly just singled me out. I was the hero of the school. My Everybody wanted my coat of many cars. <laughs> it turned the shame to It was so much fun, like I'm telling you. Oh, my she goodness. She did it for me. It raised my ego. What used to be a source of shame now became like the source of pride. If I was going to sell that coat, I could have sold it for a lot of money because it was the one that I was the one secret out. It was the yeah. coat because I was wearing it. And you don't know. We were given little pieces of hair of Dolly. Really? I had, I had, you know, just, I don't know how we got it. I kept mine. I just lost it when I was coming to America. I felt so bad. But we kept that for a long time. Wow. It was so personal. 
And that song, I will want to tell you, changed a lot in my life because formerly when you're poor and people are laughing at you, you feel bad. But when something happens like that, that song came up, and just like Doris said, her mama told her it will bring you luck. It's a source of love. You remembered how it was done, how mom took care of making sure that every hole in the coat is patched on, and you remembered the love that was done with, and it made you feel so good that you had it and made me work even harder at Vinska. You know, it was beautiful. Do you think that song in some ways reframed how you saw your life yes. to where now you can say, even though we were poor, we didn't know we were poor because right. that song kind of flipped your perspective? I'm telling you, that song flipped my perspective. Something, The same thing, the same quote. It was a source of shame before. Mm-hmm. And it is like the poverty that we had it was, uh, you know, we get depressed sometimes because you're poor and there's mm-hmm. some other kids who are very rich. But now, it turned it loud. There was so much love allowed this court. Everyone now wanted this court. And you start feeling like a hero. We all want something to make you feel good about yourself. This song made me feel so good about myself. And I think... I was doing well in school, but it made me even do much better. And now I was the hero, not the, not the poor yeah. guy. You know, it was so good. Even when girls would come to school, I'm telling you, the girls were like, oh, Pete, you know, the one with the coat, the one down the pattern picked. Now I was the hero, you know. <laughs> the girls liked me with my coat, which was so many patches, you know. Oh, that's such a it's great so story. Good. It's so beautiful, I'm telling you. Um, I have to, real quick before we move on, I have okay. to tell you a quick aside. Are you yeah. familiar with the Dolly Parton song called Me and Little Andy? Yes, yes. We had a New York-based artist who was doing a show at FGCU do right. this show, yes. and her yes. story was about being in fourth grade, and she had a teacher who would dress up like Dolly Parton who played that song – which, if you listen wow. to the lyrics, is about yeah. a little girl that dies and goes to heaven with her puppy. Right. Yes. Yes. And yes. the teacher had a breakdown during the song, and the right. principal had to take her out. And so, wow. for her whole life, this woman named Jen Ray, right. whenever she thinks of Dolly Parton, she thinks of her teacher breaking down into tears right. in her classroom in fourth yes. grade about the song that Dolly Parton sang about the little girl that went to heaven with her puppy. That's right. So anyway, I just had to tell you. Thank you, Mike. Songs can be very, very powerful. And as I told you, we could hit anything else Western, but the music was one thing that we all had to come on. It made through. I'm so glad we are doing this. Hmm. I hope Dolly listens to this one. I hope so, too. Dolly Parton, if you want to be on the show, we'll travel. We'll we'll come to you. Um, So where does music fit into your life these days? Um, Music is central to my life. I'll tell you, I'm a Christian, Mm -hmm. and I play a lot of Christian music. Uh, I'll play songs like... uh, when I'm down, let's say something bad has happened or something, you know, we get through experiences. I have a song like, uh, I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I would play a song like, uh, hide me now under your wings. And, uh, there will always be some music that will lift you up. And music is central. And I wish people, listeners now, would understand how powerful music can be. And when the great things happen, quite often I attribute it to God, and I was seeing how great thou art, how powerful that is. It just feels so good to do that. 
Mm. I enjoy it a lot. Yes. Um, uh, let's talk about what brought you to the United States. So you right. you uh, you w- were invited to Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think is the mm-hmm. way you phrased mm-hmm. it. So how did that come about? How old were it, you at the time? It's interesting that um, that happened. It was amazing. I used to teach in this school called St. Mary's School, and I was in teaching in a program called the International Baccalaureate. Mm-hmm. It was mainly black kids and blackers, and blackers you know. And the, the kids who did that, who took, who took uh, IB, as we called it, were very smart kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite often they did. They, they took that because they wanted to get out of the country, go to UK, go to Australia, go to America, go wherever. And they worked extremely hard. Mm-hmm. So anyway... For two years in a row, in the November setting, my students were the best in the world. Mm. I had the best, perfect score, best students. And so the IB people started coming, looking, what is this? An African school with an African teacher and all of you, you're the best two years in a row in the whole world. But, okay. I looked. I looked good. I looked yeah, like yeah. Good. Well, of course. I, I yeah. guess I did something. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Mike, it was the kids. Let's get it right. The kids worked so hard. They were working so hard, and and were selected from top class students because you couldn't fit everybody. Sure. And so, in many ways, people got to know me a little bit more. And so, Donna, who was the, I, I was actually picked to be in a committee in the International Baccalaureate, and uh, the world knew me about this school in Africa, which does so well. And so, it was not hard to find me because I was there in the books, in the IB books. Sure. And, and so the principal of Atlanta International School made a phone call to my school one day and asked me, would you want to come to America? Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Was that something you had hoped for consciously? It's interesting because at that time I had gone to Prague and I had gotten an offer in the International School of Prague, in the English School of Prague. Right, right. But And the school is great. But the problem was when I get outside, I couldn't speak. Right. I got a Nova in Bavaria International School in German. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't speak German too. And I prayed hard for a school and to get – if I got to get a school, got a, an, an international English school. Speaking an English speaking country. But I never applied to come here. I didn't think it would be America. I was looking for an English speaking school. And then one day – Donna Danson, who now teaches in Lake Wales, she's a school principal there, made a phone call all the way to the village, to Kenya. I couldn't believe. I knew her because we had met. She was a member of the committee. But for her to call me and to come and teach geography, I need to tell you this story quickly. Sure. So I get this story. I, I, I get this invitation, and I go to the village, and Mama, I go back to my, my Mama's boy. You hear that a lot more. <laughs> I go, I tell Mama, hey, Mama, I'm going to teach in America. And she tells me, Go. Teach in America? You? What? What are you going to teach them? T- geography. Okay, okay, let's get it right. What is that? Because Mama couldn't speak English, Mom, you know. And uh, I said, Mama is about mountains are tall and uh, valleys are deep. And then Mama looks at me and says, You have to go to America and tell them that? <laughs> Isn't that too obvious? <laughs> anyway, let's get this right. They have to come to Mother Koine. Look for somebody. The great America can't get somebody. I tell Mama, I just got a job. 
And okay, I'm happy for you, but I'm surprised. I thought America had everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm so glad I came. Yeah, huh. the story. Yes. Um, uh, when you got here to Atlanta, was yeah. there any culture shock? Yes. Uh, was there musical culture shock right. or just culture oh, shock in general? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. let's talk about the first day. I arrived, and there was somebody picking me from the airport. And Atlanta airport, if you don't, it's so huge. Oh, yeah. It's so scary for me. You know, you're moving down. Even back then, it was it, huge. It was yeah. so huge. <laughs> and you go down this, and then you get a train, and you get all over, and you keep going all over. And then she took me to the hotel where I was staying. The, the lady who was picking me up, her name was Helga. She took me to the hotel. And then I stayed in the hotel, nice hotel. And then she says, I'm going to come and pick you up, take you for dinner. And, you know, I'm very careful, you know, I just want to be nice to her. So she took me for dinner. And then she told me, what do you want to eat? Uh, what do you like? Uh, I like meat and all that. But she said, oh, okay, okay. Uh, this is the menu. I said, I don't get it. Uh, okay, can I help you? Can I pick it for you? Okay. Then she picked it and she picked some things. I didn't understand what she was doing. Then the next thing I see, they bring a lot of leaves. Leaves. So many leaves, Mike. So many <laughs> leaves. Oh, my God. And you know where I come from? I, I didn't tell you about goat meat. We eat a lot of goat meat. We love goat meat. Mm -hmm. We know goats eat leaves, right? right Let's right. get that right. Goats eat leaves, yeah. and I eat goat meat. But now here I come to America, and they're giving me leaves. <laughs> and they had the audacity, Mike, to ask me, uh, what dress do you want for your goat, for your, for your leaves? <laughs> Leaves for a dress? Are you kidding? Uh, no, no, dress for a leaf, for leaves. I know what dresses are. And I wonder, do these people think I'm a goat or what? What was wrong with them? <laughs> they brought something, they put it on the leaves. And because I have to be nice to Helga, because she's so nice, uh, I, I ate the leaves. I've never eaten so many What leaves. did you think? At the so did not, it taste okay? I had to eat. No, it was awful. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> even with the dress that they put on. <laughs> But I ate it. Yeah. Then we stayed. We are still talking, and I'm feeling drowsy because you know I've traveled very far. And then I tell Helga, uh, I feel like, can we go now? Oh, Peter, we have not eaten. Ah, Helga, what about the leaves? Then <laughs> 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 they bring this big stick. So much. What's wrong with these people? They, it was so much. I've never seen so much food. Yeah. Oh my God. And I'm being polite. I need to eat the food. Then I wonder if they're gonna give me meat. Why? Why do they have to give me leaves like a goat? You know. But anyway, now I eat leaves. Okay, the salad. These but days I'm, you're okay I'm, with leaves. I'm okay with leaves, <laughs> but I was really traumatized. And there was so much food, and there were so big people. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, those were my original experiences. And of course, you know, you want to go to the. I want to go to the toilet. You know, mm -hmm. you want to go to the toilet. I go around, I start, I don't, I can't, they tell me it's that side. I see the door lit in the restroom, so I, I'm i looking for a toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A restroom to you is someplace you is that a rest. a place to rest. Yeah. <laughs> so I see, I see people going in and going out. I say, there must be very many people tired here. They're going to go rest. It's so funny, you know. So until I realized they had a picture of a man, I said, it must be there. So I go in to find But it took me so long huh. to figure out that's the trailer. You know, I'm trying to be polite. I've never been here before. You know, you don't know about these Americans. They're strange people, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they didn't have toilets. They had less rooms. Yeah. You know? And then we get to another building later on. Uh, I'm looking for a lift. 
It's written elevator, but I don't know what this elevator is. Who is being elevated here? Right. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there are so many little things there, you know. Hmm. And it was, and they pronounced names differently. You know, you like uh, they had. I can't even pronounce it well. I'm saying Atlanta, and they are saying Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. I say, which cities do you like? I'm telling you, I say Miami, and she tells me, no, it's not Miami, it's Miami. And, and see, I know Kansas. My friend was in Kansas, and there's another state, uh, Kansas. She says to me, no, it's Arkansas. What is this? <laughs> These people don't even know English. What's wrong with them? You know, it's <laughs> so traumatic, I'm telling you. Oh, that's it's so interesting. I remember those stories now. You know, uh, I look back. Yes. Uh, and then it was so hot because I came in summer. And, you know, when you're coming from home, you think the whole of America is very cold. Sure, I had dressed up, uh, you know, but it was so hot. I've yeah, never had that interesting. And then come December, it was so cold. I couldn't live here. And, you know, my moods changed with the heat, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. It was so scary, yeah. Huh. Yes. Um, all right, let's move on to song two. Okay, let's do that. What <laughs> is it? My next song should be Blowing in the Wind. Right. Oh, yes. That's, there are two functions. I don't know which part you have, but there's Bobby Dylan and uh, Peter. We have the Bob uh, Dylan. Yeah, let's do that one. That's good. Uh, okay. Do you good. want to tell a story or you want to listen to it? Uh, let me tell you a little story. Sure, go for it. This is why I picked this song. The song originally was just Brewing in the Weed. It was a nice song. But when you sang there, I remember it was my older brother saying, you know, look, what he's telling you is that the answer is closer than you think on anything. So it became a central song when I have a problem that the answer is not too far, but maybe brewing by, try to catch it, maybe a bit hard to get sometimes. I didn't know the songs, the, the, the words then, but I knew, of course, it's Brewing in the Weed. But as I listened to the song a little bit more, it was very powerful. And uh, I would like us to play the song for you to understand what I'm talking about. And we can talk a little bit. It was more powerful than just Brewing in the Wind. Let's listen to it. Uh, Blowing in the Wind, Bob Dylan, initially released in 1962 as a B-side of the song Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Yeah. Uh, and then released on his album The Freewheeling Bob Dylan the following year. Powerful. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, I... I know that song. It's, I've heard that song. Right. I don't know if I've ever listened to it that closely before. Right. But yeah, powerful. It's powerful. On a personal level, it's a song that will tell you there's a solution to every problem. Some answers may not be that tangible. And sometimes it's there, but you can't see it like the weed. It's growing there right across here. But on the other end... When you listen to what Bobby Ryan said, it's like a song for human rights. It's like common sense teaching. When I heard this song, it was a time when we were all fighting for South Africa's apartheid problems. And the whole of the continent, we are in Kenya, but every now and then there would be something. And it's like, why do people have to struggle just for useless? They have... Let me tell you, Mike, you and me, we have the same. We are a lot more in common. Just because we have differences in the color of the skin or in our heights or in anything. And that's what Bob Dylan and little on uh, Peter, Paul, and Millie are singing. How much do we have to struggle? 
How long did it have to take? How many people have to die for us to have common sense solutions to the issues that we have? Why should we not just have an understanding that if you don't want it done to you, the golden law, don't do it to anybody else. It's a human struggle. How many people must die for everyone to appreciate we need to, we all need the same things. We all need love. We all need kindness. We all need compassion. We all need to care for one another. We are better love together. And that is where you see, even to this day, this is my timeless song. Up to this day, I struggle for those human rights. I got an award the other day about the champion of human rights for freedom. It's just asking that question, how much are we going to struggle not to see people are the same. We may have differences in the color of our skin, in the languages, in our accents, in our gender, in our age, in our religion, in our anything. But deep inside, we have a lot more in common together. This song is powerful in that respect. Hmm. It is a song, when I was getting that award, I said, let's play Blowing in the Wind. Oh, and people yeah. at first could not understand it, but when they listen to it, like you just said, you realize... Bob Dylan, this is a very revolutionary song. Yeah. It's really powerful. And I love to play that song when we're talking about human rights. How much do we have to struggle to appreciate that we are better love together than fighting each other for very artificial differences? Mm -hmm. Not that we cannot have differences. We should, and that's okay. Right. Diversity includes differences, and we should have that. It brings to the beauty of everything. But the bottom line is we should be able to agree, find something in common that we can live together. And that's what we are doing even here with that mayor's diversity and inclusion yeah, yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah. We're doing that. And like playing this song, it's all blowing in the weed. Stop it. Love one another. It's easier to love than to hate. You know, and it's um, and it's a shame that you know here we are, fifty-seven years after that song was released, right. and it still resonates, it's, and it still pushes back against something. You're right, Mike. I still remember that song. So many, many years later, it is still very real. It's my I call it my timeless song. And when you listen to those words, how many years can some people exist before they are allowed to be free? And we talk about many people, even light here. The next thing we are doing is about human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Light here in the United States of America. Right here in Florida. Long Myers. after, light here. Yeah. And you can believe there are people, as we talk here now, who are caged somewhere. Some women being exploited. Some other people being, how long? And I loved Bob Dylan, that song. And they... On a lighter touch, I want to tell you that my younger brother is Paul. I'm Peter, as you know. And my cousin is Millie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's right. So, oh. <laughs> did you guys ever try to sing together? So, we, oh, of course we did. And we're not very good at singing, but we really did sing this one. Oh, my God. We sang together so much. We hmm. loved it. Oh, we sang it even in the church, and everybody liked it. You know? Yeah. And that time, you couldn't sing other songs outside the, the you know, the hymns in the Bible. There was hymns that were there. But this one, they allowed us to sing Andrews, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, the pastor beautiful. used to enjoy that a lot. You know? huh. Yeah. Uh, do you still sing today? Oh, yes. Oh, that uh, one? Do you, even, and, and, particularly or, when I'm taking a shower. Yes, I do. Do you sing in public? 
No. Do you do good. karaoke? No, I don't. <laughs> good. You must know your talents, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it inside the lines. Even when I was coming here, when I told my wife I'm coming to this, she said, yeah, I've heard you sing, of course. I know you like singing in the bathroom and all that. Peter, please don't sing on, on the stage. <laughs> uh, I, I will try to, but she said, please dance. So I won't do it now. You know, I um, do try. What about dancing? Are you a dancer? Oh, yeah. I love dancing. Yeah. I love dancing. It seemed uh, like you'd be a dancer. Uh, oh, yeah. It looked oh, like yes. that uh, the spirit. I love that. I love that. I love I dance on it. You know, where I come from in Kikuyum, there's no, the difference between the singing and dancing have the same song, Nikuina. You know, we are going to sing because all singing has to have movement. You have to dance. Huh. You can't just start there singing. And that was the strangest thing when the Christianity came and people just told us to start up and uh, just sing. Yeah, start. it, it was so strange. It didn't resonate. But now probably. people dance and we feel good and we release our hearts and we do anything. You let go. You're free. And we feel good. Oh, yes, we do that. Oh, hmm. I'm telling you. We do. So you got to see Dolly Parton yes. when you were when you were younger. Right. Uh, have you had any other live musical experiences that stand out in your memory? Musical experience. I've got to so many to, to see several concerts that people who come, particularly Kenyan, Joseph Camaro and many others who come to Kenya. The I've I met a few groups here and there. But uh, I listen to the music more than going to the public. Gotcha. I'm telling you, Mike, I, I don't know. I think of a little phobia of being in a cloud, which oh, really? is so many people. Hmm. Like, I, I find it very hard to go to a football game, just like Do you where think I can't get you think that's because you were raised in a place where there weren't that many people? Uh, not. I think it's more personal. Like, I am. I like being in front. Right. Being in the cloud makes me a little bit nervous, particularly if there are thousands of people. Right. So I listen more, and now I watch the music and everywhere. I don't go to concerts, but I want to tell you, I'll be going to one very soon. You know, going. Oh, uh, you mentioned this before. Okay. Oh, hey, hi, Rachel Yacovoni. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I hope she listens to this. Yeah, That's my favorite. This. So yeah, t- what's going to happen? Hi, show my dear. <laughs> I'll be seeing you on the 16th or 17th of August. That's coming. Uh, so That's a. That's uh, a a week or in a day from now. I'll be seeing you very soon in Nashville. <laughs> yes. Gonna, <laughs> so why are you going, going there? I'm going to see the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm just going there because that's the home of country music. Mm-hmm. I told you I grew up with country music. Yeah. And my wife grew up with country music. We just want to go for country music. Do you even know what's going to be playing? No, we don't just, even know who's going to show we, up. We just hope that the artists who come are those older ones, not the new ones, you know. Right, right. But we know it's country music, and then the country music is good, and you're going to stay in the Gaylord itself, the next, just next to the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. Can you believe it? Do you know how many years I've lived for that moment? So you've never done this? No. Oh, wow, that's so cool. It's my so first cool. time. It'll be like a honeymoon with my wife, you know. We're oh. going to just go there and enjoy the moment. Today. I hope they have Charlie Pride. I hope they are Wouldn't that be something? It would be something. Wow. Like, to meet some of those people, you know? Huh. Yes. Um, you'll have to just, coincidentally, you'll have to listen to the episode that just released this morning. It's a guy named Grant Malloy Smith. Yes. He's yes. a country western singer-songwriter who lives okay. in Nashville, who was wow. here four months ago doing a tour through Florida, and really? he did this podcast. So, wow. And he plays a song at the end. So you'll oh, that's have to good. They're going to go and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just um, yes. Okay, so, um, so what brought you to Fort Myers besides the cold weather in Atlanta? Oh, besides the cold weather? Well, of course, I came to teach. You know that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I came to teach. But you also fled the cold, right? To I was some freeing, degree. I was freeing the cold. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. Fort Myers has done me a lot of good. 
I came to Atlanta, as I told you, and uh, in Atlanta International School, the one that invited me from Kenya, we were from 70 countries. 70 countries. Wow. So we were very, very diverse. Yeah. And then I got an offer for this job in Canterbury School. Mm-hmm. And I am told clearly, I read about uh, Southwest Florida and Fort Myers was in the study in Michigan had said it's one of the most segregated places. By that time, I'd come to understand segregation and integration and all that, black and white and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was like Martin Luther King those days, Losa Parks, yeah. you know, it's not Leo. But they told me you would be the first black teacher there. Oh, my God. You live... 70 people from 70 countries, and now you're going to be the first black teacher? I couldn't believe it. And that was 2002. I'm talking about 2002. Yeah. It was like, really? There are schools like that? And this school had been like that for, for 40 years. Yeah. Because it was formed through the civil rights movement. They wanted to be separate. And now I'm going to be the first one. So I told the people in Atlanta uh, that, uh, okay, I'm going to try it. It just feels good. Just like feels like the first one. Yeah, I'm going to make history, right? Right? So I'm going to go there, but I don't think they'll keep me there for long because I'm a little bit about the blowing in the wind, you know? Like that, <laughs> you know, you know? So I'm going to go there for for a short while, as long as they for more than a year. And I'll be back. And I said, can you have my job still, please? The principal told me, well, I'm going to have to have somebody else if you have to go. But I assure you, if you want to come back, There'll be a place for you. Okay. There'll be a place for you. And then we met later on. There's still a place for you, Peter. I said, thank you, but uh, I'm home. Because Canterbury ended up being one of the greatest experiences of my teaching. Even to this day, those parents, those families, those students became the closest friends we have, I have today. I felt I was treated so well. I realized how well... You know, I may be the only one looking different, mm-hmm. black, and there are a few black kids there. But I'm telling you, I was so, I felt so respected, mm-hmm. so welcome. Did that surprise we know, you? At first, it was scary. Really, are they real? Are they treating me just yeah. like that? Are they fake? When you realize people are so genuine, I was invited to so many homes. Mm-hmm. Even some people would come and some people would say, oh, you have too many guests. Can they come to stay in our house? I am telling you, Canterbury opened my eyes. People are the same. It was just so, we were so close with those kids and those families, even to this day. I came there 2002. The class I taught first time, we still meet. They're some of my best friends. Huh. I am telling you, it was an eye-opener. And then I lived here. And although they had talked about Michigan uh, being being segregated, the Michigan study had said Fort Myers is very segregated. Right, right. It is to some extent. But uh, I have never felt really genuinely uh, denied services because of the color of my skin. Huh. I found my niche. And I like saying that very clearly. Uh, that's, I have a, there's a place for me. There's a place here for me, people like me with an accent. As you said earlier on, I'm the president of the African Network. And when people come from Africa and they're here, they're talking like me, the people don't hear what they're saying. And What did you say? What did you say? But I tell them, look, we are here. 
And you ask them, what did they say? You didn't hear what they said too. But there's nothing wrong. People just want to communicate. And we have found our place here. I love this place, Mike. I love it. Yes. Uh, how long did you teach at Canterbury? I taught there for seven years. So you would have met or taught with uh, Dan Percival. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah Dan. Dan <laughs> He's Dan one of my peeps. <laughs> Dan is my big buddy. You know, he was there for doing, doing art, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, He's yes, an yes. interesting character. He's I a met, very nice guy. I very met nice. him. And he, had, he has a British accent. You know? Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You know that. Yeah. I met him because when, when, um, my, we, when my uh, wife was having our daughter, yes. we went to childbirth classes. And right. his wife was having... Their son, and right? Four of us sat next to each other oh, in wow. childbirth. Yes. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> and he was so sarcastic. Oh, it was so I know, funny. I, could, I can imagine Dan in that kind of environment asking these strange questions. Oh, what uh, do I do? When yeah, I that know? was two thousand five. So, that's yeah. right. Um, uh, oh, no, okay. That's um, uh, let's move on to your third song. Okay. <laughs> <gasps> now, okay, we talked about uh, the coat of many colors, and there was a sad sub aspect of it, but it turned out good. We talked about the brewing in the wind and the struggle, but the sad song is just so beautiful. It's romantic, actually. Uh, yes, it so is. You really did, because uh, I don't know, for some reason, I just didn't want to be to marry a woman who did not look good. Let me say that, you know? Because particularly where I come from, there are some very beautiful, our families are very beautiful women. And I always wanted to marry a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. But I was also nervous, like I told you. If I'm not sure about something, I'd be nervous. And so I see this girl, and this girl is like, she's a Yorick. She's special. And then she had this voice and say, you know, hello. Hey, Peter. You know, that's... A voice that everything about her, even the way she moved her fingers, everything, the way she did her hair, I just—I was so nervous. I couldn't ask her anything. I was in love, Mike. I, I love this. I could. I planned. I wrote little poems that night, but they were not working, and I couldn't have the courage to go and give it to so her. So you wrote poems that never for her. And I don't know. No. She, she little knows that I wrote those poems. In fact, some of them were still there, but uh, I never gave them to her because I was nervous they wouldn't work. But finally, finally, somewhere, somehow, I got some courage. And, you know, one thing led to another, and I popped <laughs> the question, would you be my girlfriend? And then she, she's a very good singer. She sang a song about, uh, and she gave me her heart like this. She said, take my heart. And then she went on, and take my life too. Mm. Oh, my God. I, want, I would have fallen there. And then as I took her heart, and then as we moved on, a little bit later, a few days later, we went, you know, like now I just talked to her like I'm nervous. She might say, no, I didn't mean that, you know. Then I took her to see Sound of Music. And in the Sound of Music, this is when they played this song. And it was something good. You better listen to it, Mike. All right. Uh, uh, something good, sung by Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer in the 1965 all-time classical musical, The Sound of Music. So how long between watching that movie with her and proposing? <laughs> you asking how long? Yeah. When we walked out of that place. <laughs> when you walked out of the show, Michael. 
I couldn't bring the chance. That was the moment. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I could let go. What if she changed her mind? I knew. I knew. Chris and Julie did me. They did for me. And she later on admitted she always admired me, my openness, my type, my type of uh, type character, you know, like that. But I didn't know because she would never come to me. But somehow it was so powerful, I'm telling you. And Priscilla is a very special person. She's actually a little bit more... Uh, the other side, you know, like she's not as talkative as me and all that, mm -hmm. but she's very strong. She's been like what I say, you know, that song like the weed beneath my wings. Even when life is low, she has a way of turning it loud. And when I'm on my peak, she'll bring me down and, you know, let go. And um, we had our own moments in life. We went through difficult times uh, in, a, in, a, in a, I mean, when we are young. And I think that has built us a lot. We feel, we look back, and as I told you, we are, we are Christians, deep Christians. We really appreciate what God has done for us. And we look back to say that one of the greatest gifts that we ever got was each other. And it must have been, there might be something we did at the back that was good, that you might have had that wicked childhood, you might have that miserable youth, but now here we are. So there must be something good that we did for each other, mm. to find each other. And she was just so beautiful then. And I'm telling you, so many, many years later, she's still the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in this world. I'm telling you, like, I can it's still see something it. good. I can see it on your face. And we're still seeing something good. It's still actually our favorite song. Hmm. When we are together, we are seeing when the kids are not there. Just when was the last time you watched the movie? Oh, we watched it last year. We actually early this year we watched something on the, we, we we see it again. The sound of music is still our favorite. You know, besides my fair lady and others, oh, it's still the sound of music. You know, yeah. it's it's interesting that mm. you you've talked about being a Christian and the music that you listen to to right. lift you up is mostly Christian music. But you've right. picked three secular songs for this right. show. Can right. you kind of explore yes. that? I believe that. Uh, all these songs I've picked, they are all more than anything else to glorify God. This, I think we should not have a misconception that these kind of songs, although they're not mentioning Jesus, they're not mentioning this, they're there to lift you. They're there to help you grow. And they're there to build your life. Look at that song. There must have been something good I did for the Lord to bring this lovely girl to me. We'll look at the other song about growing in the weed. There's something you can do to help people. They are children of God. Look at the song of the coat of many colors where it is like poor people, poverty. And that's what I use in my teaching, even in the college here. Don't just let a kid stay there because they grew poor. It's not where they come from. It's where you want them to go. If you feel that they are loved, just like I felt the love when Dolly Parton said, come right here in front, I'll sing for you, Peter. Oh, my God, you know how powerful that was? Yeah. It's my world. That's what we do. And uh, all these songs, I could have a lot of Christian songs and uh, other songs, but really these ones are still to me there to glorify God. 
that's how we see it. That's how I see it. I think they are very uplifting. They make me feel good. The love is romantic. It's created by God. I'm telling you, you can't change that. You know, uh-huh. you know that's amazing. That's a miracle. So yes. what would uh, the 14-year-old Peter back yeah. in Kenya think of you sitting here today in Fort Myers? Would you no. have any, any, you, any inkling? If you told me at 14 that I would be sitting here in some little village somewhere, it's not New York, it's not Chicago, it's not the citizen of Fort what, Fort what? Uh, it would be impossible. I want to tell you, the village where we would not have pairs of shoes. We had a place like America also, but this was too far for us. These were fallen to us. This not, we were not meant to be. But somehow, uh, some forces came and we are where we are now. But definitely not what we expected, not what we planned. I could, I knew the village. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to stay there, get my cows, get my goats and all that and uh, live there. But now, it could not. But on the other end, I want to say this. Mama always said that don't make the village your world. Make the world your village. I think we can go anywhere. Right now, there are so many people who have moved from here to go to Mother Queenie village and work with kids there and empower those kids and tell them, you can do it if Peter did it. And they know where I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do it too. So I would not have imagined, back to your question, that I'd be here, but I'm glad I am. What about uh, the person who you've turned out to be, the character that you demonstrate? Uh, I think so many forces have helped me change my faith, of course, and my cultural values. My I come from a very maternalistic kind of set of kasha. In the Kikuyu kasha is very maternalistic. We are children of uh, the nine, our kind of Adam and Eve. Our lineage is for the nine daughters of Mombi. They are nine daughters, so we are like that. So we have to respect women a lot. That has shaped my life. My education and my interaction with so many people. Like I told you, when I got into that IB, uh, I met, I went everywhere in the world. I could travel anywhere and I met people. And uh, it has helped me. By interacting with different kinds of people has helped me shed my prejudices and to see people as people. And uh, if I look back, I say, thank you, Lord that I've had this. Even sitting here with you, Mike, mm. it makes me feel good. I feel like you're my brother. Mm. We are together. And you you don't see the differences. Yeah, you may be this color, you may be this height, you may be this, but I am who I am. I'm a child of God. And I think my faith, my leading, my interaction with different people, uh, are there things have changed now? Mm. I think I love the Peter I am. I love that. Yes. Well, we are out of time. Really? I told you it would go quickly. It is wow. time for you, you kidding me? to, I know, we have, uh, this is it. Yeah? Um, it is time for you to recommend three people who you will both share this sh- show with when it releases and right. who you think we should try to get in that chair. Three people? Yep. Okay. Uh, there are a number of people I work with in uh, the Mayor's Diversity Committee. Okay. Uh, let me give you those two. Kathy Bruno. Okay. Kathy Bruno would be very good here. She's a family lawyer and she's very good and she works with me in the family, in the, in the, the Mayor's Diversity Council and she'll be very good. Okay. Another one is called Beth Countryman. Beth Countryman is a banker with the Sun Bell Captiva Community Bank. And we met last year with Beth, but 
we've done so many things together. We are in that mayor's diversity. We have helped the College of Education get some money here. We have, she has set up a village in uh, in Rwanda. She has, it's been phenomenal. Hmm. Her daughter introduced us, and I'm so glad that I met her. So Beth Countryman would be very good okay. here. Another one is Martin Dongo. Martin Dongo is the CEO of a company called Medicap Transport. And he's also from Kenya. He grew up in a different kind of setting, but similar stories to some extent. And uh, he's an enterprising young man. He has his own company now, big time doing margins work. And he's a big inspiration to the people from Africa that you can do it too. You don't have to do many jobs always. And many jobs are good, but you can do better and he'll be very good here. Okay. Did I give you three? That's three. Three great recommendations. If you all are listening, uh, reach out to me through the station and we will get you on this show. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts, Peter? I just want to say thank you for the work you're doing, Mike. This is powerful. I never even saw my life in in, in songs. And when I got to do it, I realized, oh, my God, these songs have made me who I am, have helped me become more. They're not the only things that changed me, but they have had a big impact in Dolly Parton in seeing who I am, in the brewing in the weed, trying to fight for human rights, in the romantic side of something good. They've made me who I am, and I really thank you for giving me a chance to tell my story through these songs. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, much. so much. I appreciate it a great deal. Thank you. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Hey, everybody, just a friendly reminder, like us on Facebook. We're at Three Song Stories. We're on Instagram now, too, so check us out there. And if you wouldn't mind, stop into Apple Podcasts and give us a rating there. And if you like what we're doing tell your friends for this week's parting tune we're going back to episode 30 of this show with florida gulf coast university president dr mike martin takes me back to at least my high school days my girlfriend in high school was sue and so i remember that as well um, did you ever uh, wake up and it was too late to go home not quite that but uh, <laughs> didn't fall asleep but more than once i didn't get home quite as early as i was expected to particularly get her home as quite as early as we expected to and and, and she, <clears throat> she was a great person, and I, uh, I haven't seen her now for many, many years, but, but I remember her fondly. And this song was part of the popular culture while you were dating exactly, her? Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. It was made several years before that, but it was still part of You heard it regularly yeah, yeah. On, on AM radio in the day, and, uh, and it never ceased to remind me of her. But I could have picked any Everly song in which they did the great two-part harmonies, and I would be more than happy to say that was part of my memories of what great music truly was at the time. Keep listening. Oh my God, we're back again. Next time on Three Song Stories. This is ridiculous, but the Backstreet Boys, this is so stupid, but they really do did have like a huge influence on my life. That's such a stupid thing coming out of my mouth. I'm like so embarrassed. But like. You can do it. They're the reason. Shut up. They're the reason I'm here today. (laughs) 